Hey, this is Lee. I really hope you've been enjoying the Business of Marketing podcast. It's from marketers and for marketers, and my intention is to bring you value, experiences, and insights that you can use. Also, if your company would like to have their own podcast, I would love to help. The team at Content Monster specializes in B2B podcasts. So if we can help, contact me at contentmonster.com. That's contentmonster, M-O-N-S-T-A.com. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Business of Marketing Podcast, where our marketing mastermind of experienced marketers and business leaders share knowledge with those looking to drive business through digital marketing. And now your hosts. Welcome to the Business of Marketing Podcast, formerly, of course, the Business of Content. I'm A. Lee Judge. My name is L.O.A. D. Amaker IV of the Four Group. The, the podcast is taking a bit of a different angle right about now. We've been doing the Business of Content podcast for about a year now. It's typically myself and Dante Carter, but now we're going to expand. Uh, Dante and I are going to add on some other experts from around the industry. Uh, and coincidentally, the same way I met Dante, LinkedIn, I met Eloy. So Eloy, tell us about yourself a bit. Sure. Uh, my name is Eloy Amaker, and I have a long storied career in marketing. Uh, it started back when I was at uh, Sherwin Williams as a in the paint, like in the store with a smock on and everything, and I decided to change my life. So I used my marketing degree that I got from Hampton University and uh, went to the marketing department, and I ended up being a marketing manager there. Um, I took my talents then to the mighty Google. Um, where I was an SEO specialist for them for a year or so. And then I took that leverage and went to Microsoft, uh, where I was an email marketing specialist. And myself and Lee, we have a, a background in that. Um, he's more part of it. I'm more Marketo. So we kind of back and forth with that. And then uh, bounced around a couple startups, went to Lyft um, most recently, uh, doing their marketing there. And then finally decided to step out on faith on my own and start the four group marketing agency. But if you're listening at home, you already know that, yeah, guy, it's about time for you to step out on your own. You've been in enough places to where you know what you're doing. So that's where I am now. And like he said, we met on LinkedIn. He messaged me. I put out content all the time. And he said, yeah, I like your videos. And that's the best way to start a conversation by saying you like something somebody does. That's a very good point to make. That's <laughs> so a very good point to make. Uh, I was excited. And then, uh, yeah, we just uh, clicked. And here we are. So I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you, man. Before we go any further... Mike, too, bring it down just a little bit. That's yours. I saw there. that red. I saw that red. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. He's talking. He's teaching me about these soundboards. He's like, "Hey, when you see that red, it's yeah. too loud." And it's I saw red. It, when I when I laughed, it, it went Ooh, red. Yeah, bring it all down. Ooh, some more. Some more. Down some more. <laughs> just just back up a little bit. Okay, <laughs> that's live. So we have some people on here. I see about 12, 11 people. So um, let's get into some topics here. So uh, as Eloy mentioned, we both have backgrounds in in marketing automation and kind of a, a well-rounded perspective of of doing marketing. Mm-hmm. And so the show being about content, you know, content is is not complete unless it's handled correctly, right? Unless it's put into some kind of a, uh, a funnel, unless it's put into uh, the correct place to to feed your sales cycle and your marketing cycle. So today we're going to talk a, a little bit more about the the marketing sales cycle of the process. Uh, we've had a show before where we talked about specifically what kind of content to put where. So now we're going to go a little bit more, I think, in depth with our with our, our, our experience in the area of how to how to action some of those things in those different levels uh, of the marketing and sales funnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, the thing that I'm stumbling over right now is saying marketing and sales funnel, because 
as you and I know, those aren't necessarily two different things, right? Right. It's, it, for me, you know, the marketing funnel is, is an educational funnel. It's one to kind of nurture. Obviously, that's the nurture streams. Mm-hmm. But um, it's more, more to educate, uh, provide information, become a thought leader. Sales is more so to give context around that, those collateral pieces that, that I would send out and uh, kind of set up uh, the next step in the phase, which is more like a demo or mm-hmm. um, a live something or talking to them or something like that, mm-hmm. and then finally closing them. But they're, they're very intertwined. I think that if in a, there's a marketing department and a sales department and wherever you guys work, I think that if they're not meeting or syncing at least a few times a week, then they're doing stuff the wrong way. I mean, yeah. What do you feel about that? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, I guess a couple of years ago, HubSpot kind of changed the game a bit in terms of defining the funnel because they changed it into the cycle, which I think we already had some grasp of the funnel doesn't end at the sale. It continues beyond in the in a cycle of of nurturing and, and delighting that customer so they'll come back and buy and buy again. Mm-hmm. But along with that, we realized too that you know you got to make sure you target stuff to the right part of the funnel so that you're educating customers so that when sales you know gets the ball basically they have they've been um, empowered to close the deal. Absolutely right. And they also need to have this is where the marketing automation comes in. They also need to know exactly what marketing has done so far to the person they're about to call, right? You don't want to have a sales guy calling someone and giving them a top of the funnel introduction to a product when that person has already downloaded white papers, they've already been to a webinar. That shows to the customer. I mean, I've been that customer where I've done my research, I know about the product already, I get on the phone to the salesperson, they're giving me a day one sales pitch. Like, can you look at your marketing automation and realize that I've, I've watched five videos and three white papers and two webinars? This is important where a, a strong CRM tool or customer relationship management tool mm-hmm. comes into play. Mm-hmm. I mean, 100%. As you said before, if if I'm looking at, if I've already been introduced to your, your product or service, I'm at stage freaking four. Yeah. And, you're introduced, and your salesperson calls me and we're talking about level one things, yeah. awareness phase things. Well, I'm already turned off because clearly you guys aren't communicating enough. Yeah. I mean, I may think differently. You and I might think differently because we're in that 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 space. Mm-hmm. But your average consumer is going to be like, why are you trying to introduce to me what this is if I've been talking to you for like three weeks about oh, this? Oh, let me tell you a story that happened to me last week. Uh, last week, I had researched something that I wanted. I had already made pretty much a short list, right? Mm-hmm. Because of it was pretty clear, even though I haven't talked to a salesperson yet. And if I told a salesperson I already shortlisted, it probably piss them off because they don't want to hear that the customer shortlisted you know, without a salesperson involved, but that's what happened. I knew what I wanted. So I got down to one or two companies and I'm on the phone with one company and he pulls up a generic slide deck. They had like 40 some slides on it. And the first 30 of them were top of the funnel. What we do, we? what can we do? Who are we? Our logos we've done. I don't care about your logos. I've already done that. Your website has the logos on it. I've already seen who you work for. Mm-hmm. Um, I already know. And in fact, I called him and said, look, I'm looking for A, B, C. I know that you can do A, B. Can you do C? That's all he needed to tell me, basically, to close the deal. That's all he needed to do. Mm-hmm. He started out with, okay, well, let me tell you this first. Here are our logos. Here's our proposition. I'm like, dude. I already lost you. you lost know? you. Just like that. Yeah. Not to mention, I have been on his website so many times, and I think I even downloaded something. They should have known who I was. Mm-hmm. They should have known what web pages I saw. They should have known what I had already read and studied. Right now, somebody in the organization must have looked at their marketing automation or the CRM to see that somebody must have. Well, they clearly didn't because they're sitting there trying <laughs> to tell you we were found in 1945. Sir, yeah. sir. So what if the marketing knew that, but the salesperson didn't? 
And that's why I said the importance about syncing up a few times a week. In the organization that I work with now, um, you know, I made sure to change the game as far as how marketing and sales can communicate with one another. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell the salesperson, listen, we need to meet every Wednesday at, at one o'clock and talk about what I have done and my team has done mm-hmm. for sales. And I'm passing the ball off to them. So when I send an email out, um, we have open rates and click-through rates, and I send them that that Excel spreadsheet that I pulled from, they use Constant Contact. Mm-hmm. I, I send them what I what uh, the results were from the Constant Contact results, and their next step is, okay, these people, these five to 10 people who opened this email, have clicked through this email, these people should be the top people that we are talking to or trying to reach out to. There's yeah. no reason why we're trying to reach out to the rest of the list yeah. because those people clearly didn't have an interest. Now, we'll take care of trying to get them more nurtured as they get down the funnel, but these 10 are interested in some capacity in what we have going on. You'd be surprised how many organizations I've been at do not have that simple ideology, and they do yeah. not execute at all on that. You know, Marketo explains that the best in there, and this isn't anything that the rest of them don't have, but the way they state it is so clear that I use it on all my other marketing automation platforms is they call their list the best bet. You've mm-hmm. seen that list before? Because you said you work with Marketo mm-hmm. and Salesforce, right? So Marketo will basically give you your scoring and your grading, uh, put those together and basically show in Salesforce, if you have it connected from Marketo to Salesforce, it'll show you what your best bets are. So if you're a salesperson, you, you come in the office that morning, who do I call right now? Based on scoring and grade, here are your best bets. Start calling down that list. You would be surprised how many people really don't look at this lead scoring. So we established that oftentimes we don't have sales and marketing alignment in terms of communication. Absolutely. Right? So marketing is working hard making those those points of engagement. Sales doesn't necessarily know about it. Sometimes it's a technical thing. I've seen situations where they've had marketing automation in marketing. They have sales and sales, and the two never cross paths. They don't communicate. And if so, it's hidden somewhere in Salesforce in a marketing area when it's designed to be seen by sales. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are some of the things you've seen or thought of doing to try to break down those barriers between marketing and sales? Well, like I said, syncing with one another is is, be- is definitely the way to go. If they have a customer success division, get them in the room too. Mm-hmm. And that's something a lot of companies aren't doing because think about what customer success's role is. We already have customers. Mm-hmm. Now we're trying to get them to be what? Successful. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they may have pain points in fi- trying to figure that out. For me, as a marketer, I need those pain points so we can create collateral about what? Those pain points. Mm-hmm. And then sales is abreast about those pain points and can answer those questions in real time Mm-hmm. And thus, it's an entire cycle. So if we're looking at this as a triangle, you have marketing, sales, customer success. And if they're not talking to each other, then we're just spinning our wheels and we're going to end up losing potential customers and current customers. And now with sales, I think that the main thing is, what we used to do at Microsoft, we would uh, send emails on behalf of the sales reps. I'm doing air quotes. My bad, y'all. I forget this is not a visual <laughs> thing. <laughs> but uh, we would send on behalf of the sales reps. So what happens is the sales rep isn't even really seeing these interactions with their potential customers. There's the the potential customer, however, is thinking they're speaking to Jim or Ted or, or Sarah or something like that. But when it gets to a certain point and we have a certain lead score, then the sales representative notified this potential consumer has reached this threshold. Yeah. Once they reach that threshold, that's when the actual sales rep is reaching out. Yeah. So if we're doing these things and we're talking about what we're doing, we're seeing it in Salesforce, we're seeing the amount of touch points that we're sending out, there should be no question as to, is this person ready to buy? We've sent out seven pieces of content. They have opened and clicked on all seven. Why have we not called them? Yeah. That's a main question I would ask. I think we're still somewhat in an adoption phase for lots of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
marketing automation has has matured and there's enough platforms who have taken the lead and who have in their own silos they've they've perfected the process Mm -hmm. but i think there's still a large gap of getting that one integrated into sales process now when i say process i mean don't just not just you know the the software connected because that's that's happening marketing is helping that to happen but the sales process of understanding what data is being given to them by marketing and how to action on it and when Mm-hmm. That, that's the huge part of it. I mean, marketing automation, the whole purpose is to to keep the conversation going, to warm up somebody, like you said earlier, nurture them. But the end game, of course, is business. It's to get it to sell so they can do something with it. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So. I got a question that came in. Oh, what's the question? The question is from Jeff Beal. Mm-hmm. When scoring, do you recommend omni-channel scoring or directional? Omni-channel or directional? I'll just take lead on that one. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, oh, omnichannel. I might need some clarification on that. Um, so, by by omnichannel, I guess he means scoring on uh, all the channels at one time versus saying. linear over like a continuous drip. Um, if I understand it correctly, I would definitely say omnichannel because you can put different weights on different actions. Mm-hmm. You may say that a webinar has more weight than a white paper. But they both count, and they could both happen at any given time around a, a customer's journey. So I would definitely score them about everything they do, every interaction they do. Now, depending on your organization, they may say, you know, for us, um, you know, web page hits don't mean much. You know, or they may say only only the pricing page means something and score that high. You know, they may say white papers don't mean much for us. Some organizations may say, well, we only do a few of them a year, and they're big. They're big you know, analysts paid research papers. If right. they if they get that research paper, it means a lot. So every organization is different. But regardless, I would definitely score everything around what that uh, prospect does. Um, and I guess if he means, uh, do, do, you, do you say anything else? I guess directional would be, I guess, sequentially one thing after the next. So mm-hmm. um, I, I would definitely monitor any engagement from that particular uh, prospect their whole journey same here i mean we talk about omni-channel as you mentioned before each uh touch point should be weighed differently based upon the organization if the organization like you said if they have an analyst driven uh, white paper meaning that they've outsourced to a third party and they paid thousands of dollars to get this data (laughs) um this is something that there's probably their biggest piece of content their biggest informational piece and if people are actually digesting this these are people that are ready to buy ready to start moving to the next phase and we can forget all the different drips emails uh, uh, blasts whatever it is we have going on because this one piece of content is there and it's based on organization like you said Mm -hmm. um, because again at Microsoft when we had our sent out our blogs that was great we sent out our webinars that was great but it was the uh the ebooks that we did to a third party that were really in-depth 100 page ebooks as people were opening those and clicking on those that's the people we want to speak to right then you know that made me think about something because there's always a struggle between what the company thinks is value and what the customer thinks is a value and oftentimes you could have especially when you say analyst driven that those don't come cheap right so (laughs) We're talking thousands, guys. Yeah, you have expensive, uh, analyst-driven white paper, and you want to make sure you try the ROI on that because you know you spend a lot of money on it. Well, just because you think that paper, because you know that paper costs you a lot of money, doesn't necessarily mean it scores any higher than the last paper you did. Mm-hmm. Um, because if the customer wants to see, um, you know, an industry insight that's two pages long with some great bullet points, 
to them, it could have higher value than this 20 page white paper from an analyst. Absolutely. And so it's hard. I guess my point is don't tie the value of a piece of content to what you think the content is worth. That that takes me to a good point. Whether these uh, your audience may be business owners, marketers, what have you, you need to take this piece of advice. This is what we call a gem, I guess you could say. Be very customer-centric, okay? Be customer-centric in your, your content creation and your thought process because, as he mentioned, you can spend – we say this is like $30,000. This isn't like a $100 <laughs> analyst paid ebook. This definitely is, be ten, twenty, thirty thousand. $30,000. $30,000. <laughs> this is serious we're talking about. And if you spend all this money on filling – these are things that you think that your audience wants to know, and it turns out they really wanted just a two-pager that he was talking about, you've wasted thousands of dollars. Right. So be customer focused. Always uh, ask your audience what they want to know. Um, do a lot of polls, a lot of surveys. Um, reach out to your audience with your sales reps. Have a, a questionnaire follow up whenever someone actually closes a deal or whatever it is that you guys do. Because if you're not being customer centric, then you're just spinning your wheels, wasting your money and just hoping that something sticks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it isn't to say not to do all different types of content, uh, the expensive and the less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the main thing is to make sure that your, your thought process of creating that is creating it for the right part of the funnel. So typically, that expensive one is going to be for the bottom of the funnel, right? So people who have come a little bit further, you're, you're willing to spend more money to get them over the hump because they're, they're close. Um, again, make sure sales knows it exists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to spend that kind of money and it just sit there. I've seen that happen many times where you spend all the money and marketing does its thing. They put it out there and it flops and sales... Meanwhile, I was trying to answer the exact same questions that are in the white paper that they didn't even know existed. So, and they're not following up with anybody at all about these types of things. Not, the people that open it, it may not, it may not be a, a universal hit, but people have opened it, right? People have clicked yeah. on it, right? They're, they're not following up at all. Is that what you've seen in your experience? I've seen it. Well, and, then, and that's where good marketing automation comes in mm-hmm. because marketing automation isn't just to trigger the next marketing step, it's also to send notifications to sales to mm. say, this person came in, they have not scored high, but they just hit a very high value piece of content. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, you know, in every contact us form you have should be, should bypass scoring. Now, not the career page, not the, um, you know, download a white paper page necessarily, but if it's a contact us form, bypass scoring. They want to talk to you. You're in business to talk to people, bypass scoring. So a lot of it just comes down to, to, to good programming of marketing automation mm-hmm. and that programming has to think broader than just the marketing department. It has to think, you know, for every piece of content, how does this affect a salesperson's process? Um, who needs to know that this prospect took this action? You know, if they hit a pricing page, who does it matter to? White paper, who does it matter to? All those things are very important to consider all the way along the journey. So that's that. Um, we could probably wrap up soon, but so we have some more comments coming in. Everybody, thanks for, for joining us. Um, let's see, we have about 21 people still going, you know, give us a, a clap or reaction. Let us know, <laughs> let us know you're still there. We appreciate that. Um, so we talked about some, uh, some of the sales and, and marketing bridges we have to gap. Um, let's briefly talk about before we wrap up, we, we mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about some of the changes in the algorithm, some of these, um, social networks. This will be a teaser for our next show. That, that's a long topic right there. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick though, let's recap what someone may have heard in our earlier show, um, let's talk briefly about content placement for the right part, right stage. In other mm-hmm. words, every piece of content you make doesn't go, you don't just throw it anywhere in the, in the sales cycle, the marketing cycle. Um, 
Now, oftentimes, I've seen this a few times where a company doesn't have enough content for a full cycle. In fact, that was one of the reasons why I started Content Monster, because I was, you know, working in marketing in the marketing department. We wanted to do a campaign uh, or a drip, and I realized that we were doing like one white paper at a time, you know, white paper project. Let's put everything into this for this week or this month on this white paper. And next thing you know is let's spend a week on a webinar. And it was one item at a time. And there was no thought of, is this webinar for middle of the funnel? Is it for bottom of the funnel? Who is this for? Um, and so the, the better approach, I think, and I want you to chime in on this, is mm-hmm. to make sure that when you create content, you're creating something for every stage of the funnel if you can. Um, in fact, that's what I said. The reason why I started marketing, started Content Monster, was to help companies create content for every part of the funnel simultaneously and not just one at a time. And this is very important what you're saying, people. I need you guys to pick out a pen and paper or your, your note part of your phone or whatever because this is very important. Um, when you're creating content for each stage of the funnel, you need to start with a goal. And that's what I was telling him before we started recording. If you don't know what the goal of this piece of content is, then why are you doing it? Right. <laughs> Very well, good. You can't just make a white paper and just say this will get them hot. This will get them going. What? Why? Yeah. Right. If, if it's not a, a let's say keyboards. Right. If we're selling keyboards, we need to put out a piece of content. Let's say we have a white paper of some of the best uh, keyboard manufacturers. These are the things you need. Top five things you need to look for. If when searching for a keyboard. Now, what do you guys think that goes in the funnel? If we had, let's say it's a blog post, top five things you are looking for when buying a, a keyboard, right? This goes at the top of the funnel. Now, why is that? Because we need to educate people about keyboards, what they need to look for in, in searching for a keyboard. Not our keyboard, just keyboards, right? In we're general. not trying to sell you anything. We're trying to educate you. Mm-hmm. Education is the key in this, uh, in this entire thing we're talking about, mm-hmm. okay? Now, as we start to matriculate through the funnel, and I don't know if you guys have heard the whole relationship uh, ideology or... or, or Metaphor for this. Have you ever given them the relationship? No, okay. So marketing is like, uh, well, the funnel is more so like a, a relationship, right? If I walked up to you right now and said, will you take, well, can I take your hand in marriage? You'd be like, sir, get away from me. I, I've never seen you before in my life. <laughs> yeah, I think we've used that one a lot. Yeah. You know, and that, I think that's what every marketer tries to, tries to do to everybody. Bit, a little bit of dating out. first. Got to yeah. do a little, little courting. Got to do a little handholding. Right? <laughs> so I have to let you know a little bit about myself, let you know I'm not crazy, but let you know that I might be the right person for you. Not just me, but what you need to be looking for in a mate. Right? So that's when we go back to that that blog post about the keyboards. Now that you're a little more comfortable with me, you text me back, you, you pick up my phone calls. Now what can we do next? All right, we need to kind of get you through the consideration phase. So now we've already established how do you what type of things you're looking for with a keyboard. Now, what about our keyboard makes it better? So that becomes a white paper where we have more in-depth mm-hmm. data, data-driven mm-hmm. analytics to let you know our keyboards, they last longer, the sound quality is better. Here are the things that people love about us. Testimonials are great in this situation as well. Um, other follow-up methods. And then finally, we have the decision-making phase. Decision-making is, hey, I learned about keyboards from you guys. I now know about you guys' keyboard, what things they offer versus everybody else. But what are you going to give me? And this is when we pass it off to sales, typically. Mm-hmm. Right? We have a demo. We have a live session. We have a come test our keyboards at our store. Right? Now we've moved them through the funnel. It sounds easy, yes, when we explain it, but this is hours and hours of man and woman power that we put into you know creating this content. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just something we throw together. But depending on who you ask in the funnel, there's another part that I like to throw in there, which is the brand advocate phase. Right. So once you've purchased a keyboard from us, we want to stay in contact with you, which is further nurturing. We're going to give you other additional things, you know, whether it's cords, whether it's uh, add ons we can do as well. Um, but at the same time, we want you to speak highly of us. So giving that extra value to you, even after you've completed the sale, is the more pivotal point because now you become our free marketing. 
Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. You know, like now you're saying, well, hey, this is a great keyboard, LOA. Where'd you get it from? I got it down at Lee's Keyboards, man. It was crazy. They, they, they really took care of me. They showed me everything <laughs> I needed to know. I was mm-hmm. educated about it. And boom, now you have free marketing, free word of mouth that you didn't need to pay for. And I know the name of the game is to save money, save dollars, and that's how you do it. But it becomes, like you said, marketing automation, moving people through the funnel, providing content at the right place for the right person at the right time. And that's not just waking up in the morning thinking about it. That's analytical research. That's looking at data. You said right person at the right time. So I want to give this a little nugget. Oftentimes, I think it's very familiar to marketers to do persona-based marketing, the right person. So if you take that same exercise of finding the right person to market to, and turn that into the right time, right? So let's say you've you've identified Joe, you know Joe the customer. You've, you have his whole persona, what he likes, what he reads, where he goes, his social networks, his budget. You have all these things for Joe, but you also have to figure out the three versions of Joe, right? The three timings of Joe: Joe who never heard of us, Joe who's familiar with us, Joe who has considered us, mm-hmm. right? So take your persona exercise. Go to each persona and divide that persona up into three different stages. Mm. The interesting thing is, you, if you have three different personas, they may absorb things differently at different stages. Mm-hmm. So Joe at awareness stage could be different from Susie at awareness stage, right? Susie at awareness stage could have been coming from a competitor who already knows quite a bit. Joe at awareness stage may be new to the whole topic, right? So... Take your personas, one, two, three, divide those by one, two, three in the in the funnel. And there you can make sure that when you create content, you can put it in one of those slots so that it is the right person and the right time. Absolutely. And what's your cadence, you think, with putting out content? Like, what what's the best way to do it? Is it some, is it some magical formula or is it more of a case-by-case situation? It's definitely case-by-case, mm-hmm. but again, that's where marketing automation comes in. Um, so I was working on a... On a um, uh, cadence today where basically it was based on, you know, if you did this, then we're going to send you that, you know, and based on the size of the audience, the timing, the personas, all those things, it's like, okay, well, this particular persona is being educated. So we'll give them this piece of content. And if they go a step further from an email and click into a form, they complete the form. Then we'll wait a couple of days, send them another email. Mm-hmm. Right. So you put the timing in there and it's, it's, Per, per persona and per timing. So it's really hard to say. And even within the same company with the same personas that they market to, it could still change depending on what it is you're, you're selling at that time. Absolutely. And it Absolutely. could be even a time-based situation. Like if, it's, if you're in B2C or if you have a, a time-based event, say it's an event, a webinar, a sale, seasonal type stuff, that will also dictate how, how compact and how fast you move things along. Um, you don't want to move things so fast it looks spammy, but every scenario is going to be different. I mean, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed that part of marketing because everything is different. Mm-hmm. Every company I've been at, whether it was Lyft, whether it was Google, Microsoft, even this company I met, Quattro, mm-hmm. like it, it's just a different thing. And in B2B, it's even crazier, you know, because I'm sitting there trying to versus a one to one transaction. Now it's a one in to five transaction. I got to get everybody on board at one company to even have a meeting, let alone get a sale. Oh, so yeah. it's just it's just trying to figure out. What piece of content I can give out there and at what time is the best time to get the best reaction out of people? Not to mention out of those five people, they could all be at different stages in your sales cycle. And you got to and this is on the sales side, but I guess it's also marketing too to find out, you know, who's the most important in that in that group of five to Mm -hmm. make the decision. And that's where you got to figure out, Okay, say, for example, you're selling software, you may have 
the the person in the bar, in the department who has a pain, let's say it's an HR solution you're selling. Mm-hmm. The HR director has a pain, they want to fix something, but in, and then the CFO has to figure out if they're going to pay for it, and then IT has to decide whether or not it fits into their current their current tech stack. Absolutely. So you need to have some detailed documents for IT, some financial benefits for CFO, and all the features for your HR person. So again, that content has to not only go to the right timing with the right person all those things come into play and you can't leave out any of them absolutely all right absolutely man we've had a, a great show here right <laughs> how much time do we get where's the time yeah, it's about 30 minutes or so 30 um, minutes. and we had quite a few folks sticking with us on linkedin that's been great still 21 on right now so really appreciate it very much um you know, if you if you're still on right now, just type yes in the comments so that we will know that you were here and that we can make sure we can bring this content to you on a regular basis. Again, this show was kind of impromptu as we recorded the podcast, but uh, I think it's a good idea to to do the podcast live anyway because uh, you know it, it also keeps us honest on editing. There's nothing we can cut out now because it's already live and owned by Microsoft. That's what I that's <laughs> what I was excited about. Was doing it live, giving people a real thing, telling them the, what's really going on in marketing and not giving them any fluff. Yeah. This was great. Yeah, it's what it is. All right. So uh, it's going to take a while to get to the computer to officially cut us off and wrap up. But, uh, man, thanks again for joining the show well, it's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful it's been great, man. some great marketing talk please and, and if you guys have podcast you follow of course you follow him yeah where can we find you at uh yeah please um so my company is the four group my name is loa amaker um instagram is easy e-a-z-y underscore marketing zero four um i have a podcast called keep putting out your mixtape podcast where we essentially talk about the business of content marketing and being consistent within your industry so you can uh, capture those people you want to capture so we put that out every wednesday so i'll be recording mine um hopefully i can get lee on my podcast one day um and it's gonna be a great time i really enjoy coming here and really experiencing this with you um Please, I'd love to do this more often. You know, this is great. This definitely, is great. definitely. And I'm A. Lee Judge. You can be sure to find the rest of the podcast on the website uh, on Content Monster. And also be sure to, you know, subscribe to the podcast. It's on uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, as well as follow me on LinkedIn, A. Lee Judge. Oh, and one more thing. If you're going to be going to Content Marketing World this year, and I hope you are, uh, join me there if you if you're going you can use my code I think it's judge 19 to get some money off of the registration but I'll be presenting there this year uh, presenting a session called content for the robots somewhat of an SEO session about creating content to make sure your content can be seen by the algorithm all right thanks again guys we'll talk to you next time thank you all right thanks for listening to the business of marketing podcast please rate the show and send us some feedback we'd love to hear from you and include your questions on the show if you enjoyed the show please don't forget to give it five stars and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform